As a startup, really though, fundamentally, you need a factory that cares about your business, which can be the hardest thing. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aurelia Pay. I use them personally for sending money to my Chinese suppliers from Hong Kong. It's a cross-border payment solution between China, Hong Kong, and Southeast Asia. So when I need to make a payment to a Chinese supplier, I just hop online to place the remittance, pay to the Aurelia Pay's Hong Kong-based bank account, and Aurelia Pay will settle RMB within the same business day. So check them out online at www.aureliapay.com, A-U-R-E-L-I-A-P-A-Y.com, or check them out linked in our show notes. I'm losing track of numbers here. It's Global from Asia <laughs> episode 192 of this show. And Angelica, how are you today? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you? Actually, a little bit nervous trying to contact my family in Florida. I don't know if you heard about the hurricane there. I don't know. Yeah. Wh- I don't know what's been going on. The whole world is like really scaring me lately. Uh, the world is fires in LA, typhoons in Asia. And yeah. hurricanes in Florida and Texas and you know, my wife Wendy thinks it's uh, something to do with the solar systems alignment. She's kind of making me laugh here, but maybe she's mm-hmm. maybe she's right. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so let's. Uh, you've been really doing a great job with the the VIP community. Do you want to talk about our upcoming highlight? for this week's members? Uh, yes, Mike. Uh, the member series blog on GFA is going great. So we already featured two members. So the first one is Andy Church of Insight-Quality and the second one is Oswaldo of Shenzhen Drones. So after that, um, the third member will be uh, Russell. So we have um, a lot of members lined up for this um, coming weeks. So I hope that um, everyone can check that out. Um, our our link for that one is www.globalfromasia.com slash VIP dash members. So just in case they want to check out our member series column, then they can go to that um, link that I have mentioned. And also speaking of um, uh, our VIP members, if, they, if our members uh, don't know, we have actually a private forum where we post um, uh, daily updates there. We also post there our member series column. And yeah, hope that our members check our private forum to, you know, get the discussion going. Definitely. We're also working on a new mastermind. I'm Mm -hmm. teaching Angelica how that works, but we've done them before and uh, we're going to start to do another one. Probably just one or two, you know, we don't, we don't have the biggest amount of members, so we can spend much more time with our our uh, our VIPs. So that's inside the forum. If you're already a member, globalfromasia.com slash M, and you can get in there or or email Angelica for the VIP treatment, VIP, yeah. VIP at globalfromasia.com, or of course talk to me. And uh, that's a really great way to support the show. We have amazing events too, all happening all throughout Asia, working on it outside Asia too. So things are really getting great. Oswaldo is really happy about his member series blog. Yes. Uh, yeah, he was sharing it everywhere the, last week with uh, with his uh, his networks and 
I was really actually I'm learning about a lot of our members just with these uh these member series with you talking mm-hmm. to them and uh I, I even learned some more about them. So it's really awesome. And I'm happy to do this. So so uh Yeah. Great. So let's get into this week's show. We have a this is a good one. He's another doing amazing things for the community, Greg Fisher of Berkeley Sourcing Group and also a big the man behind Hardware Massive. So these this community focuses on product development, hardware manufacturing. And uh, I've been a speaker at some of their events in Hong Kong and Shenzhen. So we've been meaning to get Greg on for a while. So I'm, uh, I'm really happy to get him on the show. He is talking about actually doing having your own factory in China as a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually manages and is the owner of a factory here. So I know something guests or listeners have been asking for. Um, so it's pretty cool. Also, yeah, I... Yeah, so it's going to be a great... What do you think of that, Angelica? Do you think foreigners should run Chinese factories? Yes, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? It's definitely, yeah, why not? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. So as always, the show notes, you guys can find... We have a lot of notes for this one and links. is uh, always at globalformation.com slash episode 192. And last shout out, I feel like we did a lot of name dropping today in the intro, but another one is Andrew... Brandon, I bumped into him in uh, Coco Park randomly when I was meeting a actually meeting a client for Scale by Outsourcing, uh, a supporter, and he uh, we snapped a selfie together and put it okay. on. Uh, I uh, he sent an email to me after we tried to catch up before we went back to the UK. But thanks, Andrew. I know you're a, you're a regular listener and a supporter, and it gave us great review on iTunes. So thank you so much for that. Uh, check out the show notes for the photo with me and. Andrew from the UK. Uh, so let's tune into this interview. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into another Global Formation podcast. It's a special one for me today. We have Greg Fisher, CEO of Berkeley Sourcing Group, and also behind the man behind Hardware Massive Community. Thank you for being here, Greg. Thanks for having me, Michael. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've been on my list to get on the show, so so it's uh, it's great to have you. Uh, there's a few, you've, you've been involved in quite a few things, but I think I'm correct saying your main things are the founder CEO of Berkeley Sourcing Group and also Hardware Massive, where you also have within the Hardware Massive community a uh, Hardware Con conference every year. And so basically, Berkeley Sourcing Group is a service provider to help companies source and develop products mostly in China. And you also have Hardware Massive, which is a community of events around the world. It's like global network of events about hardware manufacturing, product development. I was actually lucky enough to, I spoke in at the Hong Kong chapter and Shenzhen chapter early uh, last year. And the other cool fact about us is we had lived or worked near each other both when we were getting here. I came in late 2007. I remember when we were talking that... Your, uh, I actually, your office is still near where I had first my first operations, let's call it, in uh, Nanhai Dadao in Nanshan. So it's great to have you on the show, Greg. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a while back now, ten years ago. Shenzhen was definitely a lot different, and <laughs> totally where Walmart was the center of the uh, expat world. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think we probably didn't know, but we were probably crossing paths at Walmart, the crocodile yeah. mouths, or something. They, they, they still have that crazy stuff there. There was. Uh, the really you can buy like livestock and things in Walmart and and there, but <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it for a little while. But. 
So, so, so great. So today's topic, I mean, there's so much we could talk about, but I know when we had lunch recently, you were talking about your factory operation. And uh, I think that's a really good one, especially for foreigners to actually have, have uh, boots on the ground here. Um, but before we get into that, maybe your story, how you, how you got into this whole hardware world. Sure. Yeah. So I was kind of a serial entrepreneur engineer and uh, ended up working as a quality manager at a tool importing company. And uh, we were doing about $30 million a year in uh, sourcing and making uh, professional automotive tools uh, throughout China and Taiwan. And this was about 16 years ago. And uh, as soon as I got to China and I saw the factories and also was, you know, trying to solve a lot of the problems that we were having with quality. Uh, I just saw a ton of opportunity. You know, there was really a kind of a lack of transparency and process control, quality control. And I thought, wow, if we're making simple products that people have made for a long time um, and have 15 years experience in China, have a good budget, and we still have these relatively simple issues, how does a startup make an innovative new product uh, without any manufacturing experience, without China business language experience, without a team on the ground. And so really started a company with the trade company partner that I liked working with the most, who was most focused on those things, and uh, to help young startups, new startups to fulfill their dreams and, and take the, the hard part of manufacturing off their plate. That's true, right? I mean... It was definitely, it's, it's definitely a huge challenge. I mean, that's what I got me here originally was just the frustration of trying to do it from, from overseas, from the U.S. Uh, a lot of people on the show know I, I, you know, everybody jokes I was on Wall Street. I, yeah, I worked at Deutsche Bank and I was doing eBay and, and e-commerce business, you know, nights and weekends. And it was so frustrating trying to chat on Alibaba and Skype and, and you know, middle of the night. And it's... Uh, it's, there's definitely still tons of opportunities for helping entrepreneurs and, and startups here, um, which goes to my next question. I think a lot of people don't have like mechanical engineering backgrounds or degrees, but they want to do a hardware project. They want to kind of, especially nowadays, we've been talking about it on, on the show and at your meetups too, is in differentiation. You know, it's, it's not like the good old days where you could just kind of private label or slap a logo on, uh, on an existing product from a factory. You, Gotta be a little bit different. So, what level do you think somebody should be on, or should they have somebody in the team that's like a mechanical engineer to, to get it? Or of course, they can use your services too. I mean, how 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 much do you think they should know before they try to do it themselves to do their own product? You know, there's a lot to hardware. You know, there there's the engineering side, but there's also the marketing and the sales, and you know, there's certification, packaging, branding crowdfunding. Uh, there's so many aspects. And so I think it's, it's, I think the most important thing is to realize that you can't uh, have everything within your team, uh, you know, and really our most successful clients have been usually come from marketing and with have had the least experience in mechanical engineering and the technical side. Um, and because uh, they're really looking at what does the market need, either finding the product market fit and, that's that may be a little bit more due to our structure that we can support a lot more on the mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, and uh, DFM and, and that side. So that may be part of our our synergy. But um, 
it's certainly not necessary. Uh, you know, I, I think you fundamentally have to have a good idea. You have to have a good product market fit and you have to then have or find the tools to execute. But uh, within the team itself, I, I, you know, I really say that the hardware founders need to do five things. They need to have a vision, raise money, know their market, build a team, and then do whatever they're best at, right? If it's marketing, do the marketing. If it's mechanical engineering, do the mechanical engineering. Um, but outside of what you're best at, you really just need to be building that structure and vision and, and plugging into professionals that you know can really move you along because it is hard. And if you try to learn it, you usually two, three years go by and you're out of money and, and um, you, know, you haven't gotten quite where you need to be. It is true. Time, time is money, as they always say, and you can learn a lot. I mean, it's there's a. I, I read some bloody, uh, bloody Kickstarter campaign sometimes, and they say, "Oh, we <laughs> we learned so much," you know, after you know after, but uh, you know they try to you know. Of course, it's good to, especially as entrepreneurs, business owners, to learn is important. But I think there's also the the point where you realize you can't know everything, and you got to have people either in your team or or in your network to help you uh, actually get it to be done or, or else you'll be learning all day. It's kind of why I'm still here. I feel like I'm still learning even, even 10 years in China. It's still, still so much to learn. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Me too. Definitely. Cool. Well, uh, and then, you know, into this discussion today about a factory in China. So uh, I, I even remember, I just wanted to, you know, we'll define what is, what is a factory, uh, you know, I guess there's all kinds of levels. I wonder, some people even wonder, what does it say when they say they're a factory on like these directories like Alibaba or Global Sources? Because um, I was mm-hmm. even, I did my own product in 2008, Electropore. It was an LED pour spout that lit up when you poured the liquid. And, uh, you know, actually some of our team members are saying we should just do our own assembly in, in, our, in our office. Literally, like in uh, Haiwang Dasha, uh, we had a s- small like, single room office and people were saying we can just put some tables up next to the next to the lunch eating area and and just send all the <laughs> components there and put it together in our office so i guess you could even call that a, a factory or why i mean what is a factory sure I, you know i, I think it's <laughs> there, there is a huge range right i think you know one or two guys in a in an apartment you know putting things together can be a factory you know i think fundamentally factory is just where you manufacture products, right? In, in any sort of a process. Um, and, and there's, a, there, there's goes from that, I think, which is probably more common than people realize. Um, but then up to, you know, my partner has run factories of 10,000 plus workers where it's, it's almost like it's own city. You know, you have the dorms and you have the lunch areas and you have basketball courts and ping pong and you know that everyone would kind of they had their own community there i mean this was a while back as well 10 years ago but um it's it's the whole range you know and i, I think that the what, what what is consistent is that the uh, idea of manufacturing and the fundamentals of manufacturing uh, the ones that work are the same. You know, it's all about the details. It's about defining exactly what the product needs to be and then putting the processes in place to make those uh, products according to the specifications and then using the tools and the process control and, and everything else to get there. So um, that, that's kind of the difference between, usually between 
two guys in an apartment and, and uh, you know, some a factory that's a bit more far along. True, true. I think it's good for the listeners to learn. I mean, I always think about when I was sitting back in my fifth floor walk up in Lower East Side, Manhattan, trying to figure this out when I was uh-huh. selling on eBay. I think there's a lot of different parts of a of potential activities that a factory could do. And I hope I'm right, but I'll make a, my best guess. Is I see it as like four different, three or four different parts. Uh, one is the mold factory. Some people think that's usually done in the factory, but normally that's a specialized place that makes these massive molds to do the injection molding. Uh, then there's like, Materials, which I don't know is really a factory, but you know you you basically got to order your your materials, which mm-hmm. is a little bit more raw. And then of course the components, which is what I think a lot of people think of a factory as, is you know there's there there uh, usually especially in China injection mold plastic is common, so you'll see those molds being stamped. I'm not sure of the right word. And then they pump in the hot plastic, and then they open and drop out the pieces from the from the mold, and then they. You know, re- repeat that, and then I think the last part, which also people think of, is the final assembly, which is where they take all those pieces and put them together. So, I, is that about mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think that's the main. Yeah, I think that that hits the the main parts of it. I, I would say the you know there might be two others that you could throw in there that would be the process, kind of in in similarly the how, how you define creating the components and injection molding. You know, that would be the process for injection molding. In other areas, if you look at a cut and sew factory, it's much more manual and that process has a lot more variability. So it's it really defines the factory very differently. It's very labor intensive. You need a lot more worker uh, training. You, you need consistency and you need to put quality control in place accordingly. Uh, and further, I, I would then add maybe the final step of, well, maybe two more kind of quality control. Yeah, quality sure. assurance, you know, the ability to improve and, and check that. And then the after final assembly, you then kind of have the assembly into the packaging, you know, which yep. uh, simple things. But uh, yeah, that, that's basically would be the workflow of the factory. And f- so for all these different, so it seems like there are six parts after adding your two, um, which are important, of course, packaging and Q- QC, QA. Would you say... F- does a factory have to do all of these? It seems like maybe big factories say or can do all of these, but the small factories are one one part. And I, I think probably if we talk to a small factory online, they're probably the assembly is their main thing. Yeah, it, it depends. Uh, you know, a lot of factories will start focusing on one process. The smallest would be assembly typically because that's the least uh, cost. Uh, capital intensive. You just throw some workers together and, and start assembling. Uh, and then maybe uh, maybe injection molding. You buy one machine and then you injection mold some parts. Maybe you assemble or maybe you ship those out. Uh, but fundamentally, you know, these are entrepreneurs who start with uh, the capital that they have. They start small and they start with limited processes. And as they grow, then they'll invest in the uh, synergistic processes. So if it's injection molding, uh, maybe they'll look at, you know, maybe a, a particular kind of welding that can in, weld the pieces together or some other, if they, depending on their customer base, you know, they'll try to bring more and more in-house and until they can get to be these huge monster factories uh, like Foxconn or, or what, what have you, where they're doing, they have 150 injection mold machines and they have metal working and they have finishing, you know, surface finish uh, processes and so forth. And so uh, certainly the smaller you get, the less you're going to have in house like that. 
usually there's other factories. These factories are located near each other so such that the complementary processes are usually close by. So it's not necessary that uh, in working with a factory that they have everything in-house. Uh, and, and sometimes it can actually be better if they don't because then you can find the factory that really does that secondary process optimally for what you're trying to do. As a startup, really though, fundamentally, you need a factory that cares about your business, which can be the hardest thing. And uh, the larger factories, they'll give a lot of lip service, but when it comes down to it, your orders aren't big enough, uh, they're too difficult, and they're not really that interested in your business. So uh, you're often, you know, that for us, that's the number one thing in working with startups and small factories is working with uh, factories that care and then adding our expertise to solve the other problems. Uh, yeah, I agree on that big factory thing. I think a lot of times entrepreneurs and startups get caught up in trying to go for a big factory, but it's usually not the best match, I think, a lot of times because, yeah, you, they're too big to care really about you, your your business, your project. So this has been great so far, Greg. And I always think about myself when I was trying to figure this stuff out from in New York City apartment at night. And how could anybody even really figure out what's the factory? I mean, they have those really 1990s frame websites or their you know, profiles on those directories. But uh, is there any tips or, or any even, I feel like it's pretty hard, but any ways that people could figure out or ask questions they could ask these, these factories or trading companies? <laughs> It's very difficult, and it's basically nearly impossible, I would say, from afar. Uh, and you know, even going to the factory, sometimes you'll your contact will actually be a person in an apartment acting as a trade company, and they'll take you to the factory, and they'll even act as if they're the boss, and the factory will support that. Mm-hmm. And uh, unless you speak Chinese really well and understand kind of what's going on, then even being at the factory can sometimes be challenging to figure that out. So I, I think, but that's one, that's one step. And I, I think the real important thing is if, if you're, if you're building a simple product, if you're, if you're just sourcing something, that's one thing you can, you can place an order, you can get some golden samples. You can try to <laughs> write contract and negotiate to ensure that you're protected against uh, accepting defective products. If you're building a new a product from scratch, then there are really a thousand steps and just identifying the factory is the first step. Getting the design right is another step. You have industrial design, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, design for manufacturing, the work assembly instructions, the process control, the incoming material inspection. You have all of these things. And if you're really having a difficulty just figuring out if something is, if the factory is a factory or at that level, then you're probably going about it the wrong way. You know, you really need to appreciate the the difficulty of, of the process and, and make sure that you have all the tools in place because there are the next thousand steps that also need to get done and need to get done well. And, you know, if you don't have that experience, it, it can be pretty difficult. It's true. It's true. So kind of leads nicely into some of the stuff you guys are working on. So as I mentioned it earlier at the intro, you know, you have your sourcing group and Berkeley sourcing group and the hardware massive. And there's a new program that we were just discussing. Uh, is your elevate, is it a what, ha, elevate program or, or it, what, 
maybe you could talk about this. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so it's a three-tiered virtual accelerator, uh, but it's really quite a bit different than a typical accelerator. And over the last few years, you know, we've really seen the hardware accelerators having a difficult time. And as we spoke about in the beginning, what we're seeing is that it's just really too hard to learn all this stuff on your own, that uh, the software type of startup model is trying to be applied to hardware startups and software, you, you know, you maybe need three or four disciplines, you coding, marketing, business strategy, funding, uh, and you, then you can really make a great business. Uh, when hardware, you have all these other things that we've been talking about, you know, packaging tool and certification, safety, durability, all the engineering, shipping logistics, duties, uh, and, and if you make a mistake, you can't just stay up all night and recode it and fix it. You know, you are you have 10,000 defective products that you're in your warehouse and you're probably out of business. So we after seeing a, and working with a lot of clients and seeing the, a lot of the players in our ecosystem have a tough time, we've taken a new model which is to try to help the startups really see the big picture from the beginning, you know, see all of these disciplines, fundamentally understand the unknown unknowns and identify what are the biggest hurdles. You know, is it, a, is it the biggest hurdle going to be product market fit? Is it going to be certification? Is it going to be maybe very high shipping costs? Uh, you know, understanding the product profit margin, um, landed costs or something that a lot of startups don't understand. So what we've done is that we've, we have these three tiers. Uh, it's a two week, a four week and a 10 week program where we come in with our internal team of real hardware startup experts and we evaluate the startup. We help them, we give them templates to help them organize their information, project requirements, document, bullet materials, could be engineering package. And then we take that information, we help them see the big picture and identify the hardest points. And then instead of we're, we're very, we, we believe learning is good through the experience, but learning for the sake of learning is something that really needs to be avoided. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just don't have time, you know, to get that success. Uh, so we're really trying to get things done and, Part, a big part of that is to connect these startups with the world-leading industry mentors. So these are the guys that are, they know all the new products coming out in that industry. They're connected to all the key players, to all the channels. And uh, through our program and through Hardware Massive Network globally and HardwareCon, you know, we have a unique uh, connection and access to these mentors. Uh, we pay them, so they take the job seriously. And we're really in these short time periods trying to help the companies pivot to be able to raise money, solve the hard problems, and to move forward quickly. Exciting. Yeah, I think it's definitely needed. Uh, it's one of those things that probably you and I wish we had when we were starting, at least I do. So it's great that it's there and available <laughs> to people. Definitely. And how can people, we can link it, of course, on our, our show notes with the with the podcast. Uh, how can people find out more information at I know you have a few different business websites. Yeah, so Hardware Massive is our global community. We have events all around the world. We have 32 chapters now, and that's just hardwaremassive.com. 
Berkeley Sourcing Group if you're looking for manufacturing support and turnkey operations to scale is berkley, B-E-R-K-E-L-E-Y-S-G.com. And we also do our annual conference, HardwareCon, just as it sounds, HardwareCon.com. Uh, in the Bay Area, we're growing into the San Jose Convention Center this year. And nice. we're going to have Steve Jobs' ex-boss, his last boss, Whoa. Alan Alcorn, as our keynote. That's amazing. We're excited about that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great to see the, 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 your hardware massive community grow. And, and uh, yeah, we see him here in Shenzhen, the events. And, and uh, it's great to, to see all these things helping helping entrepreneurs like like we were, uh, avoid a lot of the same mistakes and problems that they had, that we had, or at least I had. I'll speak for myself. But I love what you're doing. You know, you you make it real personal. You help people understand the the what happens in the daily reality, which is I think what's really missing. So kudos yeah. to you. We love being a part of what you're up to. Cool. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, let's keep on keep on doing what we're doing. All right. Cheers. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you, Greg. We made that happen while he's still on the Asia side. He is definitely a globe trotter. I've uh, fallen behind on my traveling. I'm just mostly in South China, but I I will be in Shanghai in a couple of weeks. So if you guys want to catch up in Shanghai, we're gonna have a global Asia meetup on September twentieth, uh, Wednesday night before the chat conference. We have a couple of different speakers. I'm gonna be speaking about the export side, Dominic. Power is going to be speaking about the import side. You can check it out at globalforasia.com slash events. Uh, we have tons of events, so you'll have to kind of dig through them because there's so much awesome stuff happening here. And also just another another shout out for Greg. Uh, he's doing some great things with the hardware factory, manufacturing, helping people. And we're working together also on this e-commerce series, trying to get some of their unique products into our Par Living Inc. He's talking to one of the partners, his team, with Matt Hall and everybody, so we're trying to bridge these communities and uh, and make global connections and change change the world, make things easier for doing business, making products, selling products, getting things going. So uh, thanks, Greg, for supporting the show. Thanks for coming on, and I look forward to a long term cross promotions and help each other. Send send them a thank you note. Let them know you appreciated uh, the show and. I am pretty tired, to be honest, so I'm going to shut up now. But always don't forget, we have a pretty extensive website with tons and tons of free stuff at globalfromasia.com slash episode 192 for this specific one. But of course, hop up over to the website, homepage, tons of stuff there. Traffic's been higher than ever, and uh, we're trying to crank out as much content and value as possible. So thank you for listening. And also, as Angelica said, she's our VIP community manager, so she takes care of our our paying. I'm sorry, but yeah, we got to make money here, paying members. If uh, if you guys want some VIP treatment, she's dedicated to that. And uh, our current members are so happy. Um, she's been helping all kinds of different ways, kind of uh, going above and beyond a little bit for the beginning. Let's see, hopefully she keeps it up. But uh, we got these masterminds, we got private calls, you can tune into our live Recordings with me and these other guests and do Q&A. So it's a great way to support the show. I even bought a special URL, gfavip.com. And uh, we're going to be pushing it pretty hard. So expect to hear more updates of 
members. And uh, if you are a support, you know, we have a yearly dues. It's a, it's a membership site. So, of course, this podcast will be free. I, 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 you know, I don't like squeezing money out of everybody, but if you are a super fan and, and you enjoy this and you want to engage with me and others on a more personal level on, on live calls, on uh, private forums, get the VIP treatment from Angelica and our community team and other discounts and special offers. It's a, it's a great way to, to get that value. I also throw in all the books, video courses, everything in there. So I hate selling, but it's valuable. We're adding as much possible value in there while still keeping all this current stuff as free as possible. So it's not taking anything away, but we're adding even more to those that are going above and beyond. And I know there's been regular members paying for a while now, and I appreciate those people. Um, And my daughter is calling me now. Okay, Maggie, I'm coming. All right, guys, take care. See you soon. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.